and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hey, everyone. It's Kat and Regan from TV My Husband Hates. We're back for another episode. How you doing, Regan? I'm good. I'm good. We are back at full whack. I've Totally forgot what it's like to watch and take notes over four shows during a week. <laughs> Man, I realized last night and I was like, I could have watched, it was like 9.30. I was like, I could have watched three shows, three goddamn shows. Three goddamn anyway, I mean, shows. I did it. I did it. Loved it. Glad to have, I'm glad to have more shows back actually. Yeah, I think it's going to round out our chat a lot better and you'll be back to kind of full length episodes. So hope that's all right with you guys. Not that we can't bang on about just two episodes as well. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? True. We managed to fill episodes with just two shows, but we are back with a full compliment. So hopefully we'll, um, we'll be able to, you know, edit appropriately and get it in under three and a half hours. Absolutely. A uh, really quick, just a uh, kind of reminders corner. If you guys can take a moment and rate and review us, we'd love it. We got a couple of reviews in from the last couple of weeks, which have been fabulous. So um, if you guys want to help us spread the word about TV My Husband Hates, rating and reviewing is absolutely the best way and it's free. So just hop on iTunes and, you know, write us up, big us up so people know who we are. Absolutely. Well done. Well remembered. We never remember to do that at the top of the show, but it always works really well when we do. Um, And of course there is Patreon, but don't worry, there'll be a little sexy advert coming up somewhere between (laughs) show one and two. Um, Oh, speaking of which, Reagan, which this we should have had this in the pre-prod chat, but Jimmy's requested that we actually do a big silence between the two shows, just so that Got he it. knows. Thanks. Thanks for the uh, reminder. We're not, we're not allowed to chat, apparently. I was I was told very clearly not to make any noise because he needs it for the visual side. He needs to visually see it. So oh. I've been told, can you please not talk for a period of time between two shows. I was like, all right. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy, our fantastic uh, producer of all things audio and makes us sound brilliant. So we can do that for him. Sorry, everyone, having to listen into a little bit of in-house keeping, but um, <laughs> I realised that I was going to get a serious bollocking if I forgot this week. So, you know, I thought Excellent. it was worth the risk. Um, but we do have, as we mentioned, four full shows. So we are back with... The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and New York City. Um, And of course, we've got our old faithful below deck med that we're going to kick off with. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm glad the Housewives are back. I think it's going, it it gave me a lot to process this week. Also, really quickly, um, the date, we put it up on Instagram, but the date for the Shaw's reunion is uh, the 19th of July here in the US. So that'll be the start of part one. So we'll finally get to hear some resolutions possibly on uh, the season of the Shahs. So I'm looking forward to that. We do. While we're there, actually, we were just talking about this. We do have an interview with MJ. MJ actually spoke to us, which is amazing. I'm not joking. We both did like massive happy dances. And and in (laughs) fact, she she actually, we'd been asking her for a little while, hadn't we? And then um, I was like, do you know what? And I had probably a bottle of wine. I was like, I'm just going to voice note. I'm just going to voice note her. Like how, what could possibly go wrong? I swear to God, I probably spent 15 minutes rehearsing. I might have even written it down. In fact, I definitely wrote it down. Uh, 
anyway, after that, she sent us answers to, I think, three or four questions that we yeah. asked her. So we're going to be writing that up and putting that on Patreon in the first instance. I'm sure it will eventually go onto the blog. But if you want to hear or read about our interview with MJ, then you're going to have to sign up to Patreon, I'm afraid. That's right. You got to sign up, kick us a few bones. To, That's you all know. we need. Just a few bones. Just, Just three, a few bones. Three dollar bones a month. Yeah. Five dollar bones would be better and ten we'd probably give you a blowy. So, you know. <laughs> Not an expensive blowy, but a ten dollar blowy. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> what can I say? Um, anyway, shall we get on with the job at hand? Yes, let's get on along with Below Deck Med. And we picked up this week with the Beach Party Bust where... I do feel kind of bad for these charter guests because, of course, the weather meant that they didn't leave the dock. And I think that's always going to be ultimately the most disappointing thing when you have spent whatever you have spent to be on the super yacht and you don't even sail an inch. I mean, that would be gutting. And then the beach parties are bust because they're not allowed structures or glass or anything like that. So, you know, it's hard. But that being said, I really feel like both deck crew and interior crew bent over backwards to make this experience special for them. This has been, I think, the best docking charter I've ever seen on any season of Below Decks, any of them. Um, The poker night, the beach party, the tasting menu, like everybody was so fucking on point for this charter. Like they, they fucking nailed it. Like it is a bummer that you didn't get to sail, but they got to do the toys and like the toy island that they set up and a beach picnic. I do think they probably could have researched which beach would have allowed them to have alcohol and structures and maybe shuttled them there. But either way, I think they kicked ass. I do too. And I think Kiko's 72 plate meal really made up for anything that could possibly have been considered a shortfall. I mean, fuck me. That's more than a lot of, like, a lot of small restaurants actually do on an evening. Well, did you, was it just me or when they were doing that meal and everybody was mucking in and everybody was serving and everybody was washing up and everybody was doing all that stuff? There was a, I felt for the first, one of the first times on Below Deck that this was a crew, excluding Pete to a certain extent, but even in this instance, he was mucking in. This was a crew that was really bonding and working as a team. Hell yeah, it was fucking teamwork, man. Like, it's the only time I've ever seen everybody pitch in and do it kind of with a smile. Like, they were all happy to. They were all really working together to pull it out. Um, It was impressive. It really was. And I think, you know, whatever Hannah says to camera, I think she's got to start appreciating Bugsy more. And she's kind of doing this, are we ever going to be friends? No. Will I trust her? No. Are we going to work together well? Sure. And I just think, Hannah, come on, like... Yeah. That was a big test and you all nailed it. And that has to be in some part down to the fact that you've got a really experienced second stew who has chosen to put her ego as a first stew to one side to help her mate Sandy out. And I think Hannah needs to meet her a little more halfway. Hell yeah, she needs to recognize. I mean, if you can imagine if they were doing this with Laura... What a shit show it would have been. Oh, God, I can't even. It makes me want to vom a little bit in my mouth that Pete's still texting her. Oh, so gross. Like, come on. A, it's never going to go anywhere. I think I think Laura is still texting him for part of the show. Of course she is. She's thirsty, bitch. Yeah, it's it's gross, man. And also, you knew each other for a hot minute. Like, as if this 
epic romance has emerged from a couple of days cleaning a fucking boat. Yeah, Fuck off. especially with Creeper Weirdo. McCreeperson. I mean, the shit Pete was saying in this episode, like he's going to allow Malia to have control. Fuck right off. Not only that, the way he is also interacting with Bugsy is definitely past creepy and into inappropriate. At oh, this he's totally in the inappro- inappropriate stalker zone. Yeah. And she is, thank God, she's like, like, you can see her skin crawl every time he comes near her. And what's hilarious is that he genuinely thinks that she is flirting back. And she's being so obviously unflirty. Like, she's calling yeah. out your creepy inappropriateness with a grimace on her face. Read the motherfucking room, dude. I mean, she calls him batshit crazy. She, and he says, I'm going to undress her with my teeth. No, I'm going to do things to her. This is him talking about Lara. Yeah. Um, And she said, like, what kind of stuff? He's like, oh, you know, just banging my stewardesses. I mean, the guy is, I can't even. He's just so disgusting. Yeah, I think he's on on the wrong boat. Like, he's not around other dudes that appreciate that disgusting chat and big it up. He needs to just stop, man. I I have a feeling Pete will be gone before the end of the season. I agree. I think it's going to come to a head because I don't think he's getting any um, validation from any other member of the crew. Nobody's backing him up on this. Everybody's starting to realize that he's just this disgusting spunk stain of a human. And I think Sandy is going to call it eventually because out of everybody on that boat, she is not going to tolerate this kind of misogyny. No, and you can kind of see like that he's realizing that at the dinner. I think that's why he's pouting and being all sullen and weird at the dinner on their night out. Like you have no friends or you know, fellow misogynist on this boat. You need to cut it out. Such a child as well, isn't he? Like so emotionally... He's stunted. Immature, stunted, that he's just sulking and, like you say, pouting like a toddler. And the reality is, is that if he just wasn't a dick, people might actually he'd be having a great time. Absolutely. I'd punch him in the face. I'm surprised that Malia still got him as as her lead deckhand. I'm surprised that she hasn't demoted him and made Alex her lead because I think he would be a far stronger choice for that position. Absolutely. Alex or Rob, I think either one of them should be the lead deckhand over Pete because Pete is just making everybody creeped out and he's just fucking rude to everybody. You know, like when Malia was telling him he needed to go down and he was still washing dishes and just being a dick Uh, about that. It's just like, come on, man. He just can't bear the thought of a woman having control over him. I mean, I think it would be difficult for him even if it was another guy in control because I think he's used to running his own boats. But the fact that it's a woman is like a double sucker punch for him. And it's just bringing out the absolute worst in him. Um, I don't like him on my TV. No, I don't either. He, He makes me cringe every time he comes on screen. And I keep thinking to myself, if this is him edited out, What the fuck are we not seeing? Yeah, because, of course, Bravo said that due to the racist comments he'd made that they were going to edit out his role, and you're right. Like, we're still seeing a lot of Pete. And I guess there's an element of that's natural because he is the most controversial. He is the one that's causing the most drama. So it would be very hard for them to edit him out completely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they did say they have, so God knows what we're not seeing. Yeah, I love Alex, though. I love how Alex, when he's chatting with Bugsy, is like, I will have a word with him. You just let me know. And I almost think, like, that's great. But also, Alex, just have a word with him. Because you've seen him be a creepy fucker to everybody. 
stand up to him. I think that well, would gain you loads of respect on the boat. But it's like everything, right? It's like this lesson that we've kind of recently learned about being anti-racist. It's not enough to just say, oh, I don't agree with misogyny. I'm not misogynistic. I'm not a sexist. You have to, when you see that shit happening, you have to start talking up and speaking out. And I think that's what Alex and Rob should be doing. Um, you know, and I'm not blaming them because it is a it's all very difficult and it's a hard dynamic and you know they have to figure that shit out by themselves but I really hope that they do start calling him out on his shit in a way that really makes him question what he's doing agreed agreed again like Um, I I just think of his mom watching all of this and just being deeply fucking ashamed me too poor Pete's mom yeah um We've also got a few budding romances on the boat. We've got, as we've mentioned, let's go to Alex and Bugs first because this is the one that is newest. And um, I don't know whether it's going to happen or not. I don't know either. Like, I could see it just being a boat flirtation and they're just going to maintain this, like, fun flirtation for the boating season. But I also kind of hope it does happen. I really like Alex. I think he's a good dude. Um I just don't know if Bugsy wants anything serious with anyone on a boat. Like she doesn't strike me as the girl that would No, she's also have really serious... professional. Yeah. So I think she's like, listen, I'm here to do a job and I, I'm not gonna let anything get in the way of that. But I'm with you. I like Alex. I like Alex for her. And he's growing on me. He gets cuter and cuter every episode. Absolutely. I love that he doesn't like take her making fun of the cold water in the hot tub like too seriously. <laughs> like he... I just think he handled that really well and didn't get like yeah. angry. Like, you know, Pete would have freaked the fuck out had that happened to him, you know? But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I like him. I like the way he is with Malia. I like that he's respectful to everybody. He's just there to have a good time and do his job. And I think that's really the whole point of the boat, right? Exactly. So what do you reckon? Do you reckon yes to Bugsy and Alex? Do you reckon it's going to happen or do you reckon no? I want it to happen, but I don't think it will. Uh, I think it will. Okay. There we go. Yeah. One of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. Love that. Ooh, ooh. I'm not competitive at all. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the other romance is Rob and Jess. And this is starting to get a little bit more complicated than uh, perhaps we thought it would at first. Yeah. So I think in this episode, it's when his girlfriend posts a picture of he him. Posts. He posts a picture in, in his stories that he misses his girlfriend. And then he later says they just have an open relationship, which both may be true, right? Like he may have missed her at that time and they may still have an open relationship. I think Rob definitely has issues that he needs to work through. I don't think he's probably ready to be seriously locked down with anyone. But saying that, I like him and Jess together. I like their flirtation and their tenderness because I think he's a yeah. tender dude. He is. I think there is definitely a really sensitive side to him. And I and I agree. I do think, like, first of all, just to be clear, he posted this, um, I miss touching you or something, or miss your touch or something. Yeah. Before anything happened with him and Jess. And the only reason we know about this is because Hannah walked in with a big, massive wooden spoon and said, <laughs> oh, Jess you know that he posted about how much he missed his girlfriend. Jess was like, no, I didn't know that. Didn't tell her that it was, didn't make it clear as far as we saw that it was pre them hooking up. And just, I thought she was like, oh, I'm just looking out for you. I don't buy it, Hannah. I've got to be honest. I think you are mixing. Oh, a hundred percent. She was mixing. I mean, cause she's not known Jess very long. Like they're not best mates. 
I think oh. I kind of think Hannah always needs someone to be mad at or like degrading Annoyed towards. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so now that it's not like because Bugsy's being so helpful, Hannah hasn't turned her attention to that yet. So she has to kind of take it out on Jess. And yeah, it was just a big I think it was wrong because I think a picture without context is hugely misleading. And a hundred percent. And also it's none of Hannah's business. No. Like yeah. that's the that is actually the point. Keep the fuck out. Stay in your lane. It's none of your business who he's sleeping with. That's between Jess and Rob. For all she knows, they could have had a conversation about this. She doesn't need to get involved. No, and where the fuck do you have time to be insta-stalking when you're on this like busy work time? I know. Do some fucking work. Yeah. Get off his Instagram. Why are you stalking his Instagram anyway? Yeah, it's all a little bit I, weird. I don't understand these people who just spend all day on Instagram. Uh, anyway Anyway, um we'll see i'm here for bugsy and alex getting together i reckon it's going to happen next week so we'll see yeah so what did you think about the hannah and bugsy chat about mutual respect do you think it's going to stay or do you think it's all going to fall apart uh i i think i'm hope i think there's a chance it might stay But if it does, it's because Bugsy is going to be the bigger person like she was during that chat. You know, she's like, listen, I'm your second stew. That's what it is. She let Hannah just needs to know that she's always in charge. And she wants constant reassurance from the people below her that she is the queen of this boat. Mm -hmm. And that is where her issues come from, that Bugsy can show her up or show her up to not be as good or not be the best or not be the leader. Bugsy has kind of said, look, it's not what I'm here for. I'm here to help out Sandy. And I think Hannah is a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it it kind of catches her off guard that there isn't any confrontation from Bugsy's side. Um, And I think she's forced into kind of being amicable as well. But actually I think she wanted kind of a fight. I think she wanted to use it as 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 a chance to kind of reinforce her authority um and actually Bugsy didn't let it happen she just killed it and I think if Bugsy keeps doing that they'll get on okay and I think Hannah will eventually just have to you know concede but I don't know we'll see well yeah she can't really fight when one person isn't engaging right right? like you can't continually start problems because you're gonna be kind of outed as the problem one right like if Bugsy's just professional and whatever it's kind of upholding what Sandy said like she's a professional she's just here to do her job like everything's all good and I wish my hope for Hannah is that it does just kind of all stay fine so Hannah can show Sandy that she's kind of grown but we'll see if that growth is actually there or not you know what I just want Hannah to be able to go up to Bugsy and say listen I really didn't want you on this boat, but I'm really pleased that you're here and you're killing it and I'm and thank you for helping me. Like yes. that will make all of us look at Hannah and go, she's really grown. She's fucking nailed it. She's super strong. Good on her. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but that I, is what needs to happen. Yeah. No, I kind of agree with you because I feel like we all know that she's, leaves her job at like this is her last season um so i wonder if she goes out and like just a ball of flames yeah i mean that's got that sounds more hannah doesn't it yeah yeah um let's move on to million dollar listing la and guess who's back 
back again. Freddie's back. Freddie's back. Freddie's back. Freddie is back and uh, comes bringing the heat and the and the dysfunction a little bit. He is. Um, but yes, before we get into Million Dollar Listing LA, then um, just have a listen of this. While we've got you here, we'd love to talk to you about our brand new Patreon account. Woohoo! It's all the extra content that is not only about reality TV, but all the other TV that we happen to be watching. And if that wasn't cool enough, we also give away a little bit more about ourselves. So there's lots of personal stuff on there too, if you want to get to know us better. So head on over to patreon.com, search for TV My Husband Hates, and all this extra content can be yours for less than a cup of coffee. Or a glass of wine. Whatever you choose. And we're back. Um, so we're here for Million Dollar Listing LA this week and Freddie's back. Freddie's back, bringing the dysfunction and causing all sorts of problems apparently because he's decided to move to California. Um, I, oh, I mean, I had to sort of sit and have a bit of a think about this because I also had to go back to... LA uh, to New York last season which is where we saw this all happen at the very end of the last season yeah um and at first I was leaning towards being kind of team Freddie because it was really clear that the end of last season of New York he was really struggling with whether to leave New York he didn't know whether they were going to be going over there permanently or whether they were just going to be buying a holiday house because Derek really wanted to move but Freddie is a New York guy and he just wasn't sure. So at first I was like, you know what? I don't think he was deliberately obtuse with Josh. And I think he genuinely thought that perhaps he wasn't moving over full time. And then I sort of heard Josh's side of it. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what? This isn't just about the business. I don't think Josh actually gives a shit about no. whether Frederick opens up a business in LA. I think on a friend level, Josh felt like Frederick should have spoken to him. Um, and when I hear Josh talk about it, I actually ended up team Josh. I'm pretty firmly team Josh on that as well. Like Josh doesn't really need to be intimidated by Frederick. He is a very well-established real estate agent in his area and has his own style. That's not Frederick, right? So I think business-wise, he was always going to be fine. I think... I don't necessarily think it's like a team situation. I think Frederick genuinely like did not understand that he should have just told them when he decided and that hearing from an email blast would piss them off as friends. Yeah. Because I think that's ultimately what Josh and Heather were saying. Like, look, we're friends. We would have been super excited for you to come out. We just didn't want to hear it from a fucking impersonal email blast in our workplace. We wanted and to I, hear it from you guys. And I think they're absolutely right. But the only thing I disagree with you on is that I do think Freddie understood perfectly. And I think this is Freddie's MO. Like he knew what he'd done wrong, but rather than just cut out the dramatic bullshit in the middle, all that defensive shit, he did all that, did the crying and the standing up and the storming out, all of that. And then was like, I, you know, of course you're right. I get it. Sorry. I shouldn't have done it. And I'm, you know, I, I'm really sorry. So I think he knew, and I think that's his defensive method, is to like get a bit dramatic about the whole thing and then eventually cry and go, no, you're right, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Do you think it's defensive or do you think it's because of the show? Like he knew do it was going to be featured on the show, so it was made a little bit, he reacted a little more dramatically to kind of 
start his story. I think if story. it was anybody else except Freddie, I like if it was Josh Flagg or I, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. But I think Frederick is just that dramatic. I mean, we've seen it all the way through in everything. And I think, yes, he's definitely a showman. He is one of those characters that puts on a show. But I do genuinely think that even with Derek, this is probably how the disputes play out a little right. bit. You know, when Frederick's wrong, they go through the whole dramatic rigmarole <laughs> and then eventually he goes, I'm really sorry. I, right. I think that's genuinely who he is. Yeah. Um, and and I think him and Altman will be fine. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, I never have and I am yet to warm to Heather. Yeah, I mean, I think we don't see enough of her. I mean, obviously, when this show first started, she was, what's his name's assistant in Malibu, right? And so that caused a lot of drama. And we saw her more then, but I feel like since she and Josh have been together, her role in the show has been dramatically reduced to just kind of that of as wife and fellow real estate agent versus being kind of a player in the show. Well, and she's got two young kids now as well. So that's probably made a kind of a, you know, a dent on her ability to do any fucking thing else. Absolutely. Um, we've all been there, babe. But I didn't agree with the way that she relayed the confrontation that she had with Fred- Frederick to Josh. I don't think Frederick came for her. I do think he went up and said, you know, why haven't I heard from you? But I feel like she made it sound like he attacked her when he asked, why haven't I heard from you? She went, why do you think we haven't heard from you? I think it was... Six of one and half a dozen of the other, as my mum would say. Yeah, I don't really know who to believe because I feel like what we saw on the show was not, like, the full story. Like, it wasn't long enough to be, like, really kind of the full interaction between the two of them. So, I I don't know. I mean, she's also eight months pregnant and her hormones are raging and we both have been there a couple times. And I feel like... You know, while maybe it didn't go down exactly the way she said, I think that's the way she felt. Yeah, if that enough. makes sense. So I think like that kind of conversation between you and your husband is probably pretty spot on. I probably would relay maybe a minor, a minor incident as a little bit more major based on how I was feeling. I don't know. Yeah, no, fair enough. I hear you. And Freddie does push buttons, I guess. So yeah, that's what it is. Um. But the big listen the big news of this week's episode was just in case we didn't think Tracy Tutor was badass enough already this week she goes fucking galactic badass yeah. she really is so impressive holy shit man like the way she wooed that developer was fucking spot on like her ability to read people and know what they want and deliver it is fucking phenomenal. Um, she played him like a fiddle, and he he was gross. Like, he kind of grossed me out. I didn't like him at all. But she just got on with it and fucking nailed that pitch. And it's so cool to see a, a woman doing really well in business with no excuses, no, you know, context, no kind of anything like that, just showing look, these are two guys doing it and this is the girl doing it. And it's so heartwarming to see a woman portrayed this way. And she's not portrayed as a bitch. She's not portrayed as manipulative. She's lovely to her team. She's a great mum, and she's a kick-ass businesswoman. And you don't see that enough. No, I totally agree with you. I love that 
Bravo and Million Dollar Listing LA is highlighting this badass woman kicking ass at her job and not apologizing for it at all. Like just doing what needs to be done. Like she, she's just amazing. She really is. So I'm excited to see how she takes on um, the the Newcastle and the other bit as well. The yeah. whatever five hundred million dollars worth of Earth, the Malibu series, which is so insane. Because while we were, I feel like at the very beginning of the podcast, we we were doing the Hills, and so we saw the Malibu fires in that season of the Hills, and so now we're kind of seeing the rebuild of Malibu from that, and it's just fucking incredible. I mean. The house, the new castle was originally $75 million. What the fuck? And I have to say, that's the first mega house I've seen where I was like, I fucking loved it. Like, I felt like I could see a family banging around in that. It was a great kitchen. It was a lovely big living room. I was like, you know what? There's not many of these mega houses that I actually think I'd live in. Like, they're impressive to look at. But this one, I was, I thought, actually, it's beautiful, and I would happily have my family in this. It house. was super homey for like a yeah, mega was. house. It was super homey, and I felt it was I mean, kind apart of cozy. From the cigar room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, the wine tasting room, I can totally get on board with. I can get, yeah, the me too. Eight thousand square feet of decking, like it's just I mean, incredible. It did, and it looked beautiful, and like you say, it was luxury, but also livable, and you don't get that very often, no. not in the Razor House, like the Razor House was just a recipe for all sorts of fucking disaster. Right. But this one, you know, I was scrabbling down the back of the couch to see if I could, you know, find a spare <laughs> 75 million. I didn't find one, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really, really impressed with it. So as much as I didn't warm to Scott Gillen, I did warm to his construction and design style. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to be a developer handling that amount of money and like that amount of funding or whatever, you're probably going to be a dick. It's kind of the same way I feel about surgeons. Like they're a little bit antisocial. They're not super people people because they have to be so focused to be fucking ace at their job. And I feel he's kind of the same way, like, but a little bit arrogant about it. Like he's definitely got like that developer arrogance. So, I mean... Give it or not, I wouldn't hang out with the dude, but I'd, if I had the money, I'd probably definitely buy a house that he did. Yeah, I'd buy a house of him in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to see how she goes forward with this, how she sells it. I want to see her just sell them all in the first week and just, you know, mic drop <laughs> and fucking walk out. Boom, I'll take my yeah. $10 million. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye and thank you. Yes. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, and I'm pleased to have Freddie back. I love him. He's always good value. And I think Frederick and Josh Altman will be a really great dynamic. Um, so we'll see how what's, what fireworks he brings. Yeah, I'd like to see Frederick and Flag kind of go against each other. I think that yeah. would be like a brilliant kind of drama-inducing relationship. So we'll see. Yeah. Do we know if Frederick's definitely going to be on the show for the rest of the season? Or was this just a little bit... I think he's going to be. I I feel like he is. I've read that he's now part of the show, but maybe not. Maybe I've just made that up in my own no. wishful thinking. No, I think he'd be a great addition. I also, um, I hate to say this, oh but I also kind of like the shows where the, like, it's interesting to me that, like, Tracy wasn't on the last episode and David and James featured pretty heavily. And in this episode, David and James were nowhere. But, like, other than the weird MVP chat, which was ridiculous, um, and then uh, Tracy just, was having... Heavily Just featured. on that, the fact that they are British is absolutely not an excuse to not know what MVP means. Like, 
We know what MVP means. So for them to be so clueless, and not only that, for them to live in America for as long as they lived in America and still not know was baffling to me. Yeah, and I mean, living in Britain, I knew most people knew what it was. So that wasn't a question for me. But I think they were definitely playing it off as like, oh, we're British. We don't understand your Americanisms. And it's like, dude, come on. It's a pretty widely known thing in pretty much all sports Across the then, world. I mean, there's, I'm going to try, I'm going to make a conscious effort to be nice about James and David because I haven't really been nice. So I'm going to try from now on to be nice about them. There you go. Sounds good. Um, shall, we roll in, shall we roll into Beverly Hills? Yeah, man. Let's do it. For a night of steaks and strippers, apparently. <laughs> uh, I mean, what the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on. I mean, I know what's going on with Denise. We know what's about to come out. But I don't get how it's making the two of them behave like this. Because Aaron, Aaron, I don't know, is absolutely batshit crazy. Oh, yeah. And the way, like, Denise bangs on about him, like, he's treating people with cancer. We all need to be kind. I'm like, fuck right off. off. He's not treating people with cancer. He's not saving lives. He's swindling rich people out of a ton of money to sell them woo-woo fucking put your hand in and burn it to 180 degrees fucking bullshit treatments. He's exploiting the sick and it's wrong. They should be in hospital with a fucking doctor getting the fucking treatment that they need, not spending a gazillion pounds with that dickhead to sell them some vagina whispery fucking bullshit that isn't going to make a blind bit of fucking difference. Preach it, sister. (laughs) Like, he is so off base for me. Like, I'm not going to put a couple magnets on my tummy and fucking cure my bladder cancer. Like, fuck right off, dude. Really, it's such a pet peeve of mine, this exploitation of people with money with this kind of new age fucking medicine. And I'm not saying don't do it as well but I think these doctors that that poo poo traditional medicine like as we know Aaron does because you talked about big pharma and how it's all for profit and it's all bullshit and they're actually causing cancer and all that rubbish I think people who really do that are so damaging and actually some people I think genuinely suffer and die at the hands of these people who are just out to get a buck out of them and it is so wrong absolutely it's exploitative right because i mean if you've got cancer you want to do nothing but cure yourself you know so especially if you go to doctors and they're like well this was kind of the last thing we could do like it's all done like i hate that that opens the door to people to exploit those feelings and like the being scared of death He's a fucking charlatan. That's what it is. Like he's old school charlatan and, and it's wrong, you know, and I just don't know what to do with these two. They storm out of this party and then they say they're going for steak at a strip club and it's okay because their kids aren't there and she can swear because the kids aren't there. But did anybody not notice the fucking cameras that are rolling? (laughs) I mean, you're so, it's so hypocritical and, and then pretty sure that they bribed the driver at the end to keep him quiet. I totally was just going to bring that up and then bribe their Uber driver or whoever to like not talk about what they were talking about, even though there's a fucking camera in the car. 
I literally wrote exactly the same thing. Who gives a shit if he talks about it? We've all just heard you. Well, I mean, good for the Uber driver for like getting a massive Take tip. Take the cash. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Take the fucking money and then call, then call TMZ mm-hmm. and get them to pay you for the goss as well. Do it. I yeah. don't care. Tell them which strip club you dropped them off at. Yeah. To have their steak, the which I'll have to right say. Over. Like I'm not I'm not a negative person on strip clubs. Everybody do what they want, but I could not think of anything worse than like tucking into a really great steak with like <laughs> half naked people gyrating around me smelling of glittery body spray. <laughs> oh god. It's like chowing into your beef while you're surrounded by beef curtains. It's just not <laughs> It's not the look. It's not. That's enough to make anybody's stomach turn. Absolutely. Oh. Anyway, I mean, they leave in a fiery ball of self-righteous glory. um, And then we get them back at Sutton's event. Where they leave again. Where they leave again. But I just don't understand why Denise is shutting this conversation down. Like, I would get why if they were trying to bring up, what's her name? Brandy. Uh, Brandy. I would get her trying to shut that shit down. Yeah. But this is just a disagreement that they've had. And the girls, she keeps storming out of places. The girls keep wanting to like talk about it and figure it out. And she just keeps shutting it down. It's like, just fucking have the conversation and this would all be over. Stop bringing your husband as protection because I feel like that's what she's doing. Like no husband wants to go to some fucking jewelry trunk show. Like that's ridiculous. And fat lot of fucking protection he is anyway. When she leaves him to go to the loo, he gets mauled by Erica. Thank God for that. Thank queen. God. Absolutely. And even Teddy steps up a little bit, but only yeah. with Erica's backing. She wouldn't have done that otherwise. No. But Erica's like, nah, it's not all right. We'll do this here and now. And he's like, I'll do it anywhere, up, down, all around. Just it's like doing not doing the fucking hokey cokey. Just have a conversation and own that you were a cunt to them at that. Yeah. Barbecue. I think he kind of reminds me of Brett from Vanderpump Rules, where he probably sees himself as a feminist, but it's like he's a misogynist in feminist clothing, right? Like he's all witchy woo woo and like is, you know, wants to take care of all the girls and his family and like support them and big them up. But he's a complete fucking misogynist when talking to women. The way he well, speaks to them is fucking gross. I think it's a little bit like, you know, I think every man, no matter how open and forward thinking they think they are will have inherent biases that they either deal with really well and acknowledge and work through and are aware of, or they don't have any self-awareness and they genuinely think that they are like feminists Mm -hmm. and actually they're just massive sexist pigs. And this is airing down to a T and it's, it, it, I mean, this relationship is so weird. I don't get it. But then, it kind of pains me to say it, it, but then you see him, like, teaching Sammy to drive, which, by the way, it still blows my mind that a a 15-year-old can get behind a car. That's that's when you have to have your permit here, because you've got to have, like, a year of practice now before you get your license at 16. I know, it's so weird. Like, for us, because you you can't even get your provisional driving license until you're 17 here, so most people aren't driving until they're 18, but... yeah. Anyway, so she's 15 behind this massive car, but you see him actually being super patient and a really good dad. And so I do see that side of him. But it's all cancelled out when I see 
him say and do everything else. But they also don't challenge him, right? Like that's a normal role. That's a normal, typical role for him. Like yeah. he's the protector and he's teaching, you know, he's teaching these girls to drive Leading. and like, he's the, he's the one in control. He's the boss. He's the boss. Yes. You're yeah. Right. So I think that actually makes kind of perfect sense. Like that you're is right. his role and that's the role Denise is happy to give him and not to give Denise too much credit, but I would think after being married to someone like Charlie Sheen for so long and making it such a fucking mess to live with, that's probably who you want, right? You want somebody to kind of take over and just kind of help you make things okay. But I think yeah. the way he steps in with the other ladies is crossing the line. Like my my husband's fairly traditional in the way that he thinks about some things. He would never fucking talk to my friends the way Aaron spoke to those women. No, a hundred percent. Not, not a chance. And I've, I mean, I've had little, yeah. like little tense chats with your husband, but not because of you and me, but because no. me and him have had like a, yeah. oh, is this where we're going chat? Just friendly. We're having a drink banter, but like totally. debate. Yeah. But he wouldn't get involved on your behalf with me no. in any stretch. And neither would Jimmy. No, I mean, it's they'd not be their off place. cracking a beer and watching the game. Yeah. Like, we'd be knocking, necking back the shots and fighting and they'd just right. be like they'd, they'd be like the They'll fucking Hunger Games to them they'll just leave <laughs> us to it and see which one comes out the end alive that's how they'd approach this and then you would be friends afterwards like it, it's yeah. none of this like craziness and I feel like if Denise would just fucking have the conversation with these girls like that's all they want is to like have a closure conversation and she won't fucking give it to them and I just don't know why. And I don't know whether there's something going on behind the scenes in terms of a, maybe some of the girls do know about Brandy at this point and maybe yeah. that's simmering under the surface and she doesn't want to get into any confrontation in case one of them blurts it out. I have no idea what is going on, but it is weird. And the Denise that we saw last season is so... I don't even recognize this woman. No, that Denise has left the Aaron. building. Aaron last season looked totally normal and a really right on dude. Now yeah. he's just, they're both completely batshit crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, that leads me to believe, obviously, something's going on within their relationship, behind the scenes, that maybe some people know about. And they just, they're on, like, such lockdown damage control that they've actually gone insane. Did you hear as well, sorry, just to, before we move yeah. on from D Denise and Aaron, did you hear him again talk about... You're crushing the hand crushing thing. It's yeah. so weird. Because you didn't catch that the forever ago when that season actually aired, right? So I saw it this time, but then later on yeah. in the other Sutton's event or something, he was like, you stop fucking crushing my hand. And I was like, what is it with the hand crushing in this couple? It's weird. It's like very weird hand aggro going on. <laughs> Lots of hand aggro going on. I don't know how I feel about this. No, very no. Strange. Hand aggro is wrong. Stakes, strippers, and hand crushing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was really the meat and bones of this, of this whole episode. And obviously, next episode is episode 10, which is the one where Brandy comes back. And that looks explosive already. Well, because it's at, like, Kyle's party, right? Like, the party Kyle was talking about this episode will be featured next episode, and Brandy is invited. So we shall see how that all goes. I'm excited. I'm here. I'm genuinely looking forward to that episode. I've been yeah. waiting months for this. Right. Um, uh, and we saw Kim again. Kim Richards came back for a, a little trip down to the plastic surgeons to uh, inflate a, a 
busted boob. I mean, that's how they live in Beverly Hills. Yeah, I think they were taking out her implants because, like, originally they, they got too big, which I'm sure is probably everybody's implant journey where they go too big at first and then they get them taken out. Because I think we saw the same thing happen with Tamara on the yeah. OC. Like, same thing did that. But I'm going to have to and say... Think, go on. I hate talking about women's appearances, but... Kim does not look good. Like, I feel like her lifestyle has finally caught up. I agree. She do- I, I'm First of all, I'm going to preface this with I'm really pleased that her and Kyle are in a great place. Totally. Because like Kyle says, when they are good, they are excellent together. And I'm sure that they're a huge support for each other. That being said, I have to agree. She does not look well. And, um, and I don't know whether it's just that she... I don't know whether she just had really good glam and maybe... Like she just didn't bother this time. That's fine. All the rest, but it was, it felt like quite shocking how unwell she looked. No, I absolutely agree with you. I love seeing them when they're good together because I feel like they're, they're sisters, right? Like the goods are fucking awesome. The bads are pretty terrible. Maybe not normal sister relationships go that far terrible, but um, yeah, I just felt like she didn't, she didn't look well. And I'm not, like, insinuating that she's drinking again or anything like that. But I just feel like, you know, maybe her health has, has taken a turn for the worst, so. Yeah, maybe. Well, we'll see. I hope that yeah. she is okay. But like you say, it's good to see them happy and um, and not fighting. Um, but listen, the rest of this season, I have no doubt, is going to be taken up with the drama that we have all been waiting for. Can't wait. It's going to be popcorn and wine night when uh, The it, Real Housewives really of Beverly is. Hills comes on. It really is. I am here for it. Um, <laughs> but let's jump over to the East Coast uh, where we are in the Berkshires. The She's back. This Bluestone Manor has been restored beyond her former glory. Yeah. And, uh, Dorinda is hosting the girls uh, in the Berkshires. And I could be wrong, but if memory serves me right, this doesn't always go so well in the Berkshires. No, I think the Berkshires uh, are affectionately known as the Berserkers. And yes. Everybody kind of loses their shit. And and I think I get it. Like, there's nothing really to do. Like, when they're in the Hamptons, they can go out to restaurants and things like that. But this house is really secluded. So when they're there, they're fucking there. So I think they get wasted and things go to shit. Every well, time. Well, we start every time. We start off. I mean, Elise turns up with an agenda. She's pissed. I mean, I'm not that worried about Elise. I think she's sweet, but I don't think she's any kind of match for Dorinda. So as feisty as this is going to get, we all know it's going to fizzle out pretty quickly. And it kind of does. Like, I think Elise has a point. She definitely has a point. But I don't think we were ever under any illusion that she was really going to take Ramona to task. No, no. And I think... I, I think Dorinda and Sonia are a bit of shit stirrers with this whole like Elise thing as well. Like they're definitely playing both sides of it. And I think just to see like somebody else fight with Ramona, cause you know, Ramona's making her way through everybody. Yeah. She's pissed them all off. And I think you're absolutely right. They're just here for the pylon. I don't think they give a shit about Elise and her feelings and how no. badly Ramona's treated her. I think they're just excited to see somebody else lay into Ramona, but it is a bit like seeing a lamb go to the slaughter. And of course, you know, Ramona gives us some half-assed apology that's about as, you know, genuine as Kim Richardson's boobs. And yeah. then and then Elise goes, oh, okay, great, fine, now we'll be friends. And I just, and then Ramona goes, oh, you're a bit heavy. Fucking hell, I mean, this woman. <laughs> the, she just can't help herself, can she? No, no, she can't. I mean, I definitely think we see Ramona the apologizer in this episode. Oh, yes. And then, yeah, then she turns it on a dime and just, you know, she, I don't, 
it's uncomfortable for me to watch Ramona treat Elise this way because it's just like, it's just bullshit. It's like, you don't want to be her friend. Like you do use her as the friend that you can go to when you're not feeling great about yourself to like lift you up. But then the minute you're up, you fucking drop her and you believe that you are her entry into this whole world. And it is fucking all about you. Oh, it's her narcissism knows no boundaries, but also Dorinda's a twat as well because Dorinda's like, Oh, I hate Ramona. She's been a bitch, blah, blah, blah. And then in five minutes, completely undermines Elise and goes, Well, you know, we're always going to be mates. It's Ramona. I mean, I love her. It's fine. It's great. The irony with those two is that I genuinely think that Ramona has got Dorinda right on. Dorinda is grieving Richard for the first time. I think everything that Dorinda, that Ramona assesses about Dorinda is correct. And I think it's right the other way around. I think everything Dorinda assesses about Ramona is spot on. Yeah. It's just a shame that neither of them can turn that astuteness on themselves. Right. Or even have a, like, just have a conversation, the two of them. Like, this is how I feel like you're acting. This is what I see in you. Like, let's help each other work through all the shit. Yeah, rather than just bitching and moaning about each other behind each other's back. Dorinda is literally, like, I do think she's on a crazy train to somewhere at the moment. She does need to work through some shit. Yeah. Um, But it isn't really Ramona or Dorinda who behaves despicably this episode. Fucking drunk Luana's back, man. She is back with a fucking bang. It made my heart break to see Sonia cry because Sonia is sweet and fun and ultimately does not wish harm on anyone. She's never been harmful to anybody on these shows. She's just fun. She's fun. Sonia Sonia. doesn't have a mean bone in her body. She can be thoughtless and she can be selfish and she, but she's not got a malicious bone in her body. And also she's got a really good point. Yeah. She should be paid for the work she's doing in the show. Like, yes. All right. Luann doesn't need her, but she wants her, so pay for her. I mean, $200, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I made more as a teenage babysitter. But let's be clear, it's not enough. Like, it is not enough. And I think it's disgusting that Luann responds in the way that she responds. And, And of course, it's the wine talking. Absolutely. Wine and Luann should not be friends. They need to no, break she up. She loves the wine, but yeah. the wine does not love her. No, it's it's a very dysfunctional relationship. And the dark, like the the jump from like happy, fun Luann to like fucking dark and destructive Luann is one second. And it she was just blink turned. Of an eye. Yeah. It was blink of a fucking eye. Like somebody just brought up how much she's being paid. And Luann went batshit crazy and she did because she knows she's wrong. She's being defensive and that's what she does. But the things that came out of her mouth were so, like, this wasn't just, oh, we're having a fight about it. No. The viciousness, she called Sonia worthless, talentless. Like, she set the relationship on fire. She set the relationship on fire. She just burned the fucking bridge, like, immediately. And Sonia has been there through all of this sobriety, you know, the sober journey that she's been on. She's always been very thoughtful, considerate, supportive, not judgmental. And the shit, like the deepest, darkest depths that Luann went to to say that shit was fucking shocking. Well, and I think, I think we're starting to realize, I think we always knew yeah. that this, 
sobriety journey. And I am putting that in inverted commas because totally. I don't think Luan really ever committed to this sobriety beyond her need to do it for parole or whatever it was. Yeah. And I think that it is no surprise that she is immediately slipping back into this. And I really hope that she, and maybe this needed to happen for her to know that she has to do it for her rather than because of her parole terms. But the minute she is drunk, she is vicious. And it was upsetting to watch her speak to somebody like that. Absolutely. And be so up her own ass about it. Like I wrote Luann's diva is showing, like her drunk diva is showing. And I do, I hope you're right. Like I hope she watches this and sees the like immediate trans transformation of herself into this person who is disgusting. I do too. And you, but you could see it like her face went ugly. You could see it in her eyes. And we haven't seen that face on Luann for so long. And you know, Luanne Sober is still self-righteous and kind of, you know, a snob and all of that. But at least she she isn't impulsive. She's shown much more kind of control and she doesn't, she's not reactionary. Yeah. And the wine meant that she was immediately reactionary. And the thing she said, man, if I was Sonia, I don't know if I could forgive that shit. Yeah, I don't know. I think it really, I think it genuinely took Sonia off guard. And I think that's why, like, we see her cry so much on camera because I don't feel like we've ever seen that before. And I think it was a genuine shock of what Luann yeah. said to her and the way she was treating her. And, ugh, just gross. Man. It was, it was not nice. It was not nice at all. And uh, obviously, next week we'll pick up with Luann's hangover and we'll see how that rolls out but I really hope that Sonia and the other girls hold her to task and Dorinda has a responsibility here because Dorinda was egging Luann on when it came to the drinking right at the beginning after her parole finished she was like come on you can drink you never had a drinking problem let's just be clear drinking problem isn't always I wake up and need a bottle of vodka for breakfast a drinking problem is do you know what drinking makes me into a real dick yeah therefore I shouldn't do it and I think that's what we're seeing with Luann yeah, I unfortunately, like with clips for next week, I don't think there's going to be any sort of nice chat or realization. I feel like in some of the clips we saw, like Dorinda shouting at Luann again about like her drunken mugshot. So I feel like more relationships are just going to be burnt to the ground. So we'll see. Well, it's always boring when they get on. So it's true. You know, that's what we're <laughs> here for. We're here to discuss other people's terrible behavior. Very, very true. And I think with that, we have come to an end. Thank you guys we so have. much for spending this time thank with you. us. Yeah, thank you as ever. And remember, as Reagan said at the beginning, rate and review if you can. It means the world to us. And, um, you know, feel free to send us an email. Say hi. Yeah. Nobody really emails us apart from Patreon and yeah. the chart, Apple charts email us occasionally. That's true. We'd like, you know, real people in our inbox, you know, yeah. just say hi. We might even read some of them out. We 100%, I think we 100% would read them out. Send them, send them your way. Remember, you can send them to hey at tvmyhusbandhates.com or I believe we've got a contact form on our website as well. Just send it there. No harm, no yeah. foul. I mean, give that a shot. I don't think anybody's tested that out yet, so it'd be yeah. good to know if that works. There you go. Um, but listen, have a great week. We will be back as ever next week. And in the meantime, remember... Smart people watch reality TV too. Bye-bye. Bye. Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. 
Theme music and production for TV My Husband Hates by Jimmy Sims.